Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. The reading for today is Psalm 63, and the text will be on the screen as I read. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld you and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. This is God's word. You may be seated. Good morning, church. If I've never met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor here at Trinity. There we go. I'm the pastor here at Trinity. Nice to meet you. If you're here tuning in, uh, it's good to see you here focusing on the Lord this morning. A couple things to highlight, and then I'll pray and we'll get into Psalm 63. Uh, one thing, uh, fall is right around the corner, and like many Minnesota churches, we ramp a lot of things up during the fall, and a lot of our ministries will kick back off. Uh, a lot of things will get back off the ground. This is a uh, unique year, to say the least, for obvious reasons. And one of the things we need to gauge is to see how many of these ministries that we had done uh, in previous years before pandemics we are going to be able to do this fall. Uh, we are going to be sending out a forum to our congregation uh, this week. You can check your email, check social media. There'll be a way to fill it out. And that's going to help us get to know what you're thinking in terms of participation in these things, get you thinking about what you used to volunteer for, what you're planning to volunteer for, and when. If you're brand new to Trinity, it'll give us an idea of how many new volunteers uh, that might be uh, jumping into various ministries. Uh, one of the things we believe at Trinity, like a lot of Protestant churches, is the priesthood of all believers. And one of the implications for that in terms of ministry is that we staff really see our main role as trying to set you up for your ministry. So that means most of our ministries are wholly dependent, uh, their existence, uh, based on your participation in those ministries. Uh, so that uh, uh, is a good reminder that if certain ministries uh, may not be able to start this fall, it's just because we're going to be waiting for uh, the volunteer base for those ministries to come back. And when more and more people are, are ready and willing to jump back into certain ministries, then we will be getting those ministries off the ground. So we're not 100% sure what ministries will be functioning this fall, uh, but looking for this volunteer forum will help us a little bit to plan uh, for which ministries can come back and which ones might need to wait for a couple more months. We're in Summer in the Psalms. Uh, that's why we're in Psalm 63. We choose about 10 psalms each summer. Uh, so that's the sermon series you are um, tuning into if you're tuning in for the first time. Just a reminder, we did this last week uh, for the first time, but our live stream 
now ends right after the sermon. Uh, so you get the first uh, half of our liturgy and our worship service. It's called Liturgy of the Word, but then the second half of the Liturgy of the Table uh, is in-person only, which also means if you're tuning in at home, you're not comfortable with being in, uh, indoors uh, in a gathering yet, we would encourage you to reach out to us because we want a church leader to take communion to you uh, so that you can also have the blessing of taking communion in fellowship and in person. Let's go ahead and pray and dive into Psalm 63. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to turn our hearts to you and hear what you have to say because you speak peace to your people. To this congregation, you have something to say and it's peaceful. And to a thirsty people, this is what you say. Come to me and drink the water of eternal life. We have come to know you, Lord, and we long to hear your word through Christ our Lord. Amen. Many of us are in a spiritual desert right now, especially on the other side of 2020. It's an honest thing to kind of admit and get out there in the open. As a pastor, I've, I've talked to some of you about your spiritual state uh, right now, and you would say it's not as good as it was maybe in years past, and that the, the last several months, the last year plus, has been a struggle for you. Many of us are at a point with our walk with the Lord where he is feeling distant. And we long for the days in which we could see his glory vividly, to clearly hear his word, and to intimately follow him like we have in years or months past. In scripture, people often get caught in the desert for various reasons. In the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, you have God's people delivered from slavery in Egypt, and they wander around in the wilderness partly longer uh, than uh, they probably wanted, but they were wandering that long because of their rebellion against the Lord, because of their sin is why they found themselves there. In this text, Psalm 63, David finds himself in the desert, and he's there because he has enemies that are chasing him and trying to kill him. Sometimes we find ourselves in the des desert because of circumstances that we have no control over, but yet those circumstances has pushed us far away from God and his presence. So whatever the reason, this is the psalm for you if you find yourself in the spiritual desert. If you feel yourself that you, you are not as close to the Lord as you have been before and you know it and you can admit that. That's who this psalm is for. One of the biggest problems that we have uh, as human beings is that when we even know that we're in the desert, we know that we're far away from God, that we often don't seek him to get ourselves out of that situation. That's why the psalm describes seeking God as thirsting after God because it acknowledges that God is the source of living water. He's the only source that's going to quench your thirst in the deepest possible sense. Yet our habit is to try to quench that thirst in other sources. So if you find yourself in the desert this morning, what are you seeking in your day-to-day -day life? This question is both for those in the church and those that may be exploring this faith. If you feel that you need something more in your life, what are you seeking in your day-to-day -day life to satisfy that craving, that thirst, and that seeking? 
Are you trying to find your way out of the desert by distracting yourself on a screen? Are you trying to find your way out of the desert by immersing yourself in work? Are you trying to find your way out of the desert by going back to an unhealthy relationship? Are you trying to find your way out of the desert by participating in culture wars? There's a lot of things that we're giving our time to, but it's often not the thing that you need to get yourself out of the desert. And Psalm 63 exists for those of us that experience that, to long to get out of the desert that we find ourselves in. And this psalm is a reminder for us to seek the Lord, to thirst after him, to praise him, to remember him, and to be satisfied in him. So let's turn to that psalm right now. Psalm 63, let's look at verses 1 and 2. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. David says, my God. This is personal for him. He has a strong sense of belonging to the Lord because he has experienced that. He knows what it's like to walk intimately with God. He remembers the sanctuary. You see that in verse 2? He remembers the sanctuary. He knows what it's like to be in God's presence, to behold his power, and to behold his glory. That's why he is seeking after that, because he wants it back, but he finds himself in the desert. And he describes again that seeking as thirsting. The imagery is getting at the intensity and comprehensiveness of the seeking. Seeking God when you're away from him is like thirsting for water in a parched land when there is no water. And then if you're in that experience, it's all you can think about. You just want the water. You just want the dehydration to go away. Your whole being just longs for the thirst to go away. Thirst. That is a common human experience. It's a basic instinct that our body has, and it says that you are lacking an essential fluid to live. We have this feeling often. That's why we can relate to this metaphor. You've experienced it maybe in a hike in which you've ran out of water. Maybe you've participated in a sporting event and you're thirsty. I mean, we get thirsty if we eat Chipotle. That's some salty food, and you get thirsty. And you know what you need in that moment. You need water. That's a common experience that he's drawing on. And it's a great metaphor that captures this yearning and longing for the Lord with your whole being because you find yourself in a spiritual desert. And again, we often thirst for the Lord, but often try to satisfy it in other sources. But here's the good news of a text like this. Once you acknowledge, once you remind yourself of the ultimate source of water, what you really need right now isn't these distractions that I mentioned in the opening. When you admit to yourself and remind yourself what you really need is the Lord, that's the first step out of the desert. It's to remember Him, His glory, and how He quenches that thirst that you have in the day-to-day -day life that you just cannot get rid of. Look at verses 3 through 4. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Do you know this, saints? 
You still praise God in the desert. You don't stop praising God when you are in a spiritual desert, where you're feeling spiritually dry. You praise God whether there's rain or whether there is a drought. Part of the problem is that we often stop praising God when we are spiritually dry, which just intensifies the problem, brothers and sisters. You're not going to get out of a spiritual desert if you stop regular times of prayer, meditation on God's word, and gathering with the church. That will not get you out of the desert. The desert still is a time to worship and to praise and to remember the Lord. David may be far from the sanctuary, but he still longs to praise God. His lips glorify him. He lifts his hands and declares, I will praise you as long as I live. And this is such, this is the money verse, right? Uh, one, of the, one of the many in this text. He says that God's love is better than life. Do you believe that, church? You believe that God's love is better than life. Let's make this even more vivid. Imagine the best day of your life. As you can even imagine, maybe you never experienced a day like this, but imagine one of the best days of your life. You wake up after a great night of sleep. It's your day off, but you're so on top of your work that you have nothing to worry about, about your work and your tasks. It's done. It's not spinning around in your mind on your day off. You're all caught up. You have a slow morning with family or friends and a cup of your favorite beverage in the morning. You wrap up some loose ends of a house project that needed to be done, and then you participate with those closest to you in your favorite recreational activity. Every meal includes just the right amount of your favorite foods for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because if you overeat, it's not going to be a good day. Just the right amount of your favorite food for every single meal. And then that evening, you unwind by hosting your closest friends as you share stories and belly laugh until your gut hurts into the wee hours of the night. But then you go to bed, and that night of sleep was better than the night before. That's a good day. That's an amazing day. God's word says this. God's love is better than that. In fact, God's love is better than as if every day of your life was like that. God's love is still better. Sometimes when we're in the desert, we're in a, an intense pursuit of better days, but we look and find and try to strive after better days without God's love. And a better day without God's love is not even as close to being as wonderful as your worst day with God's love. That's how amazing the love of God is, and that's how much you need it in your life, and that's why the psalmist says that his love is better than life. That is a vivid testimony of the greatness of God's love. And he goes on to say and explain his satisfaction in God. Verse 5, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. In the Westminster Shorter Confession or Catechism, the opening question is, what is humanity's main purpose? And the answer it gives is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The glory of God and seeing the glory of God 
leads to enjoyment. And if you want to be satisfied and enjoy life to its fullest, you do so by experiencing and beholding the glory of God. We worship God in order to be satisfied. And David illustrates this by describing it as being satisfied with the richest of foods. Imagine your favorite meal. What would it have in it? Not a meal where you're trying to count calories here that would defeat the purpose of this illustration. You're ta we're talking about a feast. We're talking about a celebration meal where you're all in on, we're going to do this, we're not going to spare any expense, this is time to enjoy the riches of what God's creation has to offer us in a single meal. I have a lot of favorite foods and restaurants in this city. One that stands apart for me is Manny's Steakhouse in downtown Minneapolis. It stands apart because I don't go there very often. Uh, it's way too expensive, brothers and sisters. Uh, it's stupid expensive. It's one of the reasons why my wife and I have only gone there three times, and every occasion we've had a gift card, and that's one of the reasons that we went. <laughs> Those three times were big occasions. Two of the times were to celebrate an anniversary, and one time was to celebrate the end of cancer treatment. This restaurant has one of my favorite cocktails, has amazing and healthy portions of sides, and I have yet, I have yet to have a better steak in my life. And if you think that there is a better steakhouse in town, give me the gift card so I can, give, I can check it out. All right? I got to audit that work. I'll just give, give it to me, give it coming. I want to I see if you know of a, a better steakhouse in town. All right? Think about a meal like that. What comes to mind? How satisfying that rich food. This is a celebration. This is a feast. And it's satisfying. It's satisfying to go through that meal. It's satisfying at the end. And when you're in a spiritual desert, that's exactly what you experience when you finally go back to God. That utter, deep, eternal satisfaction that only comes from beholding his glory and worshiping him. Verses six through eight. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Another vivid verse, on my bed I remember you. I think about you in the watches of the night. Where does your mind go when you lie awake at night? One of the most unhelpful things I do if I'm up in the middle of the night is check my phone. Have you ever found that? Like, man, I'm glad I did that to you know, get my mind at ease. <laughs> went, right, went right back to bed after I checked that thing. And even if you're, you're intent, I'm just going to look at the time. I want to see... What crazy hour did my body decide to wake me up at? And you look in it, but then you're sucked in to whatever the notifications are letting you know about, right? And soon you're getting exposed to tasks that still need to be completed, situations that cause you anxiety. And then if you hop on social media, then you get to hear about everybody else's problems and what they think is wrong with the world. And that's not going to get you back to bed. But if you're like me, if you've ever had experience that anytime you've read God's word before you went to bed, or you wake up in the middle of the night, and instead of checking uh, something that's going to make you more awake and more anxious, you just simply pray, and you ponder God's promises, you have a different experience 
Do you not, brothers and sisters, when you've done that? When you lie awake and your mind goes to the Lord and you are reminded that your God longs to help you with whatever is spinning in your head when you wake up in the middle of the night, the longing of God in that moment is to help you. That's why the psalmist describes that posture of God towards us as being in the shadow of his wings. This illustration that talks about the protective care of a mother bird who puts her wings over her children, or he describes himself as clinging to God and his right hand upholds him. It's like if you ever had an experience where you injured yourself and your dad comes and you cling to him and his strong arm wraps around you just to help you walk off the field. That's who God is. That's who we look to in the middle of the night. That's who we look to not only in the middle of the night, but any moment of the day where you need to give thanks or you need to put your mind at ease because it's spinning and you don't know what to do. You turn to God who wants to uphold you with his strong right hand. Let's look at these final verses, 9 through 11. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God, and all who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Again, David, he's in the desert because his enemies are chasing him away from his throne, he's king, away from his holy city, and away from the beloved presence of God in the sanctuary. And he finds himself in this desert, still being hotly pursued. These people, they want to destroy him. But the verses end with this reassurance and hope. God knows, or David knows rather, that those who are trying to destroy him will be destroyed. God is going to get the victory, and he's going to shut their mouths. And King David will rejoice in God. And not only King David, but the verse says, all who swear by God or commit to the Lord, everyone who puts their hope in the Lord will glorify him. You're not probably in this desert because people are trying to kill you. But the scriptures remind us that our main battle is not against flesh and blood anyway. It's against the powers of darkness and sin. It's against even death itself, which are powers that seek to kill us and to bring us back into a spiritual desert time and time again. There will not be a day of our lives, brothers and sisters, when these realities of a fallen world will not seek to pull you into a desert away from the Lord. So let me hear, let me give you this word very clearly from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The powers of darkness and sin and death are after you, but in Christ they have been defeated and thrown into the depths of the earth. These powers have been nailed to the cross and the line of Judah has devoured them. So rejoice today, brothers and sisters, in this gospel. Rejoice in your king and give your allegiance to him and ask him in prayer to silence these lies and these temptations that continue to carry you back to the desert so that you can clearly hear the words of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to close with, the words of Jesus Christ. It's a short 
reading and teaching from Jesus in the Gospel of John. Here's the context. It's a religious feast. All these people around, including religious leaders, and they're performing a tradition where they take water and they pour out the water to symbolize that water brings life. And the point is just that. Water brings fruitfulness to the land, and so too they had hoped, God's people, that God will bring life in the age to come, sometime in the future, that the thirsty land and the thirsty souls of God's people would be brought back to new life with the living water. And it's in this context that Jesus says this, John 7, 37 through 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus is saying in that moment that the day has come. He is the true and living water that will quench the thirst of God's people and bring life to the land, to bring life to your personal life, to your city, to your neighborhood, and to the ends of the earth. That's what we are reminded of again today, brothers and sisters and saints, that that's what the gospel says to you right now if you find yourself in the desert. The living water is here, and he is saying, come and drink from me. Drink from me without price. You don't have to bring anything, just I'm inviting you, free of charge, and I will quench and satisfy that thirsty soul. Will you seek this week, this day, brothers and sisters and those who are trying to find God, will you seek what you need in the living water in Christ and Christ alone right now?